This is Scott Archer, pastor of Central Congregational Church in La Mesa, California. Thank you so much for tuning into our Sunday service podcast, CCC Sunday Messages. I hope you find the messages both challenging and encouraging as you seek to know and follow Jesus in your daily life. If you live in or ever happen to visit the San Diego area, we would love to have you join us for worship and fellowship. For location, service times, and other information about our church, please visit our website at cccLamesa.com. CCC is a small but passionate intergenerational church working together for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors near and far. Last week was our last week in the Gospel of Mark after more than a year, and um, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm not sure what our next series is going to be yet, where I'm still sort of praying about that and seeing where God leads us. Uh, but today we're going to look back into the book of Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible, the prayer book of Jesus. And a couple of years ago, uh, I started a series um entitled there's a psalm for that uh in the spirit of nowadays with our cell phones and tablets uh there's an app for almost anything we could imagine for uh for directions uh for how to find a restaurant for medical things uh, there's an app for that and i realized that uh the psalms are sort of that way no matter what we're walking through in life how we're feeling um, there's an app to help us, to encourage us, to guide us, sometimes to correct us. Um, and in it, there's an app to help guide our prayers and our worship, no matter what we're walking through. And so a couple years ago, I started this, and it's sort of an occasional series that I go to when we're in between larger series. And so we're going to get back into that, and today we're going to look at Psalm 82. And I want to talk to us about just judgment. Where do we look to for just judgment? What does just judgment look like? There's an, I was going to say there's an app for that. <laughs> no, there is no app for that, but there's a psalm for that. Um, just judgment. And, you know, we live in a time, and, and, uh, and maybe this has happened throughout the history of the church, but it's a, it's a big deal right now, especially with all the protests going on across the country, where there's sort of a false dichotomy that's talked about uh, within church circles and among Christians, among people that look to the Bible and look to Jesus as uh, the one they are looking to guide their lives, the one they're trying to follow. And this false dichotomy, this false uh, split is between justice versus evangelism or words versus deeds or faith versus action. And there are uh, some that say really the heart of the gospel and the focus of it is just telling people about Jesus. So they're ready to meet their maker. The sort of the question, if you died tonight, do you know where you're going? And uh, really, if we just preach Jesus and we, and we get people to look to Jesus, that's our number one um, goal, our number one job, and really not get too caught up in all the other stuff that's going on day to day in our community and in our countries and around, in our country and around the world. Um, the other side of that, there's Christians that say, no, 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 um, it's great that we believe those things, but we've, we've got to put all our energy into, into uh, standing up for justice and social justice, making sure people are being cared for and their rights are being upheld and standing up against the oppressor, against the man, if you will. And, uh, and these, the people on either sides of this tend to get into really big arguments and theological debates, and both of them use the Bible uh, to sort of stake their claim. And um, 
and I just want to, and, and I just want to, I'm going to read a bunch of scripture today, and I apologize, there's no notes, so you might be trying to jump around in your Bible really fast, or you might just want to write down the references and go back to them later. But I want to just challenge this whole idea. There is no dichotomy. There is no split between justice, seeking justice, and uh, evangelism, preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no split between uh, the word of the gospel and the deeds of the gospel. There is no split between faith and action. Uh, it's made in in a in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it talks about how Jesus went around um, healing everyone that was sick um, and touching their lives, caring for them, and preaching the message of the gospel. In uh, the book of Acts, in chapter 10, I can't remember the verse right now, but it talks about how in the midst of preaching the gospel and in, in his ministry, Jesus went around doing good for everyone. Um, and, um, and so uh, this, this is really a false uh, split. Um, but justice is a huge issue, and it's being brought to the forefront in our the days in which we live. And um, and sometimes, for those of us that are more uh, maybe consider ourselves more evangelical believers, we really believe that evangelism is something we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about telling people about the message of Jesus and salvation from God through Him, um, and uh, you know, sometimes we can get over-focused on that. And sometimes we can get uh, over-focused on right belief, that, that being a Christian is about believing the right thing. So we get people, we preach the message of Jesus, and we try to get people to say a prayer so they can invite Jesus into their heart and be saved and believe all the right things. And sometimes we focus on that at the expense of just action, at the expense of actually caring for people in the real world on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I want to just address that a little bit and, and talk us through. And Psalm 82 uh, addresses this really clearly. And then in, on top of all of this, in the world that we live in and in the history of the world, there's the perennial problem of injustice and unjust rulers in particular. Imagine with, um, uh, imagine with me, if you will, what the world would be like right now is if at every level of government in the United States and in other countries around the world if the bulk of the governmental positions were filled with people whose number one desire was to seek the good and, uh, of all their constituents and to really seek justice um, and not be swayed by political opinion, not be swayed by a bribe, not be swayed by anything else, but what is the right decision and what is the best thing for the people in this place, in, in this moment. Can you imagine how different the world would be right now? So with all of that in mind, let's look at Psalm 82, and, um, and I'm going to just make some comments and, and read quickly through a lot of different passages, so hang with me here. Psalm 82, and one famous uh, Bible scholar uh, says that he believes this is the most important passage in the entire Bible. Um, I was really sort of shocked by that, but I understand why he says it. I, I don't think I would quite state it that way unless you connected it to... Uh, directly connected it to the work of Christ, but uh, I think you might understand what he was saying as we read through it. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak 
and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. I would encourage you uh, sometime later on today to just sit and meditate on this psalm for a while and let God speak to you from it directly and really in light of everything we see going on in our world today. I think it is an incredibly powerful word for us. Here's a central thought for this morning. In this uh, tension between evangelism and justice and all that, I'm really going to speak for and to the justice side today because of this, what's said in this psalm. And here's the central thought. Any attempt to diminish or separate the priority of justice from the gospel of Jesus Christ is contrary to his mission and a threat to the stability of society. Let me read that one more time. Any attempt to diminish or separate the priority of justice from the gospel of Jesus Christ is contrary to his mission and a threat to the stability of society. That's the tension. uh, That's a danger, I think, uh, for many of us in the church. It was a danger in the church setting that I was raised in. We were so focused on evangelism. We were so focused on the words of the gospel that uh, we often did not allow ourselves to be caught up with the real needs of the world around us and willing to take risks and willing to, um, to make ourselves uncomfortable and reach out and really meet the, 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 the needs of the folks that are right in front of us, and specifically places where there was injustice, where there was oppression, uh, where, there was op- where there were people that couldn't care for themselves, couldn't speak up for themselves. So let's look through the passage. First of all, it says that, um, excuse me, it says that God presides in the great assembly. He uh, renders judgment among the gods. Really interesting. In the Hebrew, it refers to God as Elohim, which is sort of a general word for God. And it says Elohim resides resides in the great assembly among the Elohim. Same word. God resides in the assembly among gods. And it would be probably capital G and small g. And now the NIV and a lot of your Bibles, in, when they use the little g gods, and they put it in quotes because they're assuming that this passage uh, is talking about God being God, and he's referring not to other gods, but he's referring uh, to other people in positions of authority, other judges, uh, and, and that they've been invested with godlike power and that they, he's there to hold them accountable as the one that is they are finally accountable to. And that's possible, but it's also very possible, especially because this was written a long time ago. The faith of the Israelites was just developing, and they were surrounded by polytheism. There were God, Every nation had a god or multiple gods, and uh, there were gods for this, that, and the other thing. And they were influenced by that, and it's very possible that the writer of this psalm was seeing God in the counsel of other supernatural beings that had assignments, that they did have a nation they were supposed to be responsible for, and God, the supreme God, the only true God, or the only God that has all authority, is calling the gods to account uh, for their failures to judge 
the way he has called them to judge. But whether it's supernatural beings or it's talking about human beings uh, that are rulers and have places of authority and places they're supposed to be judging, uh, I think the point of it comes across the same. God is the one that's going to hold us accountable. And that's the first point I want to make, is that God is both the definer of justice and he is the ultimate judge of all those with God-given authority, whether they're supernatural gods or earthly authority. God is the definer of justice and the ultimate judge of everyone, and especially uh, everyone that has authority and the way we use our authority, the way we use any ability we have to um, announce judgment uh, for good or bad. And you might think, well, I'm not a leader, I'm not a mayor, I'm not a city council person, I'm certainly not the president, Um, but you know, we all have levels of authority in our life, in our lives, and it's important that we understand that God is going to hold us accountable for the ways that we walk that out and the ways that we respond uh, in our sphere of influence to the needs that are around us and the injustices that we're aware of. None of us are responsible for solving all the world's problems. None of us are responsible uh, for standing up for every person that's being oppressed. But I believe we are responsible when it comes to our attention that uh, something is not right and there's something we can do about it. And we need to recognize that God is calling us. He's called the great assembly in this psalm and he's holding everyone to account uh, for their governance and for their judgment and the way they've exercised justice. And here's the thing. The tendency of those in authority and when we gain any level of authority is we tend to want to secure our position and or pad our pockets by placating Uh, the rich or those that prop us up. There's that phrase that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think there's so much truth in that. Just think about how often um, we see people uh, right now and throughout history that have gained great levels of power and it seems like the more power and a lot of times with power comes money and certainly becomes influence. And instead of meeting out justice, instead of ruling fairly, uh, and and being servant leaders, our focus gets turned into how do we keep hang on to our position, and how do we make this turn to our benefit, even cause, help it uh, be a thing that helps us make a lot of money. And I think even if those of us that aren't in positions, big positions of authority, have a tendency to do this. We do this when we think about um, voting, when we think about the politics in our local area. Um, isn't it true that we almost always focus focus on our own desires, our own needs, our own comfort, and oftentimes aren't thinking through how a law, how a candidate, how something like that, if we vote for them, uh, may have very adverse effects on our neighbors that maybe are not like us and maybe don't have the well the wealth or the or the um, opportunities that we have. I think all of us, no matter who we are, have a tendency to want to hang on to our position, hang on to our comfort, hang on to our safety, uh, irregardless of that, the effect of that on those around us. Is God, and God, as we're going to see, is going to tell us that isn't the way it should be. He is calling us all to account through this psalm. Um, and, and he's calling us to be just judges. Um, and uh, and, and uh, look at, uh, let me remind you of the story in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 14 in the ministry of John the Baptist. He's baptizing people in the Jordan for the repentance of sin. And as people are coming, he's just so direct with them. He says, you brood of vipers, 
who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? And he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. These were Jews he was talking to. For I tell you that out of these stones, gods can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit, fruit that is in keeping with repentance, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so in verse 10, it, the people are cut to the heart and they say, what should we do? What, how, how do we respond? And listen to John's response. He says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and tax collectors were hated more than they are today. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? He says, don't collect any more than you are required to, because they were notorious for padding their own pockets at the expense of those that could do nothing to stop them. Don't collect any more taxes than you're supposed to. Verse 14, then some soldiers, Roman soldiers were in the crowd. The hated Roman soldiers, the overlords, were in the crowd, and they said, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, be content with your pay. In other words, don't use your power to coerce people to get what you want and do what you say. Those are all matters of justice that, the, that the, uh, John the Baptist calls people to when he be, is, as the, begins to preach as the precursor to the coming of Jesus Christ. And even if we go into the book of Ezekiel, and there's this interesting passage where Ezekiel, in one of his prophecies, refers back to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you're familiar with the, Sodom, of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah before uh, the city was destroyed uh, by fire uh, because of their immorality, uh, we tend to focus on the sexual immorality as this group of men came to Lot who had welcomed these angels that looked like men and they said, banging on the door, it's a really gross scene, it's banging on the door and say, give us these men so we can have sex with them. It's just this bizarre scene. And that's really, the, that passage is used to preach against sexual immorality, as it should be. But in Ezekiel, listen to what he says. He says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. To God, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was just not sexual immorality. It was injustice. It was people that were taking everything for themselves, uh, just gorging themselves at the expense of those who had nothing and could not stand up for themselves. We need to understand this justice is at the heart of who God is and what he's called us to. God says, he calls, he calls the gods, the judges together, and he says, stop patting your pockets, basically. Stop placating uh, the wicked. Stop playing into their hands and start caring for the poor and the needy, the outcast, those that are oppressed. And we see that the demand of godly justice and uh, and a hallmark of the gospel, it says all the way through the Bible, the demand of godly justice and a hallmark of the gospel is to speak up for and work on behalf of the least and the last, the voiceless and the powerless. The gospel is not just about preaching repentance in the name of Jesus. It's not just about getting people to say a prayer and believe in Jesus. It's about a change of life and it's about working in the world today 
for the people that are on the margins, the people that are on the bottom, the least, the last, the voiceless, and the powerless. Remind me, let me remind us again, we read this a couple weeks ago, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus describing the, the heart of his mission, mission, excuse me, reading from the prophet Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then James chapter 1, verse 27, James famously said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself to being, from being polluted by the world. This emphasis on justice, this emphasis on caring for those who cannot care for themselves, speaking up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, it's, a, it's part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> it's so interesting, If we, we, we preached about this several weeks ago, when Jesus encounters the rich young ruler, who's really interested in how he can gain eternal life, and he basically says, I've kept all the commandments, what else must I do? And it, Jesus doesn't say, well, just believe in me, accept me into your heart, and everything will be fine. That's probably what we, many of us would do today. Well, let's, let's uh, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe he died and rose again? Yes. Okay, well, let's pray the sinner's prayer. That's not what Jesus says. He looks at this man that was very wealthy. He was called a rich young ruler. And he says, you still lack one thing. He says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor then you will have a treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Jesus called this man to divest himself of the thing, the things that were separating him from his fellow man, that were separating him from connecting to the way God works in this world. Because if he couldn't, there's no way he could follow Jesus. Because justice and charity, all of those things are part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone ever tell you different. The passage goes on to say that these gods that he talks about, God called this assembly of the gods, these judges, he basically says they're blind, they have no, they're fools, they don't know what they're doing, and the very foundations of the earth are shaken because of that. And we see that injustice at whatever level leads to darkness and destruction. Jesus said he was the light of the world and that when we come to him, we come into the light because he shows us the heart and the way of God. And, and again, key to that is, his, is the way he walked in the world, caring for people. You know, uh, Jesus didn't just preach the gospel. He healed people. He touched people. He spoke up for people. He touched people he wasn't supposed to touch, like uh, the leper. He encountered uh, people he wasn't supposed to, like the woman at the well. And, and he, he, when we follow him in that way, we, we move into the light. But when we turn our hearts away from that, when we seek our own way, our own well-being at the expense of others, when we um, allow ourselves to be swayed by someone's opinion or maybe they're going to pay us off in some way, we, we are on the path to darkness. And it's not just darkness for ourselves, not just blindness for us, but it actually becomes a source of blindness to those around us and it leads to destruction and it disrupts the very fabric of our society, brothers and sisters. And if we can't see that happening in our world today right now, then we need to open our eyes and we need to fall on our knees. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. Then the disciples came to him and asked, 
Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He just, he just said something really challenging to the Pharisees. And basically, the disciple says, you know you hurt the Pharisees' uh, feelings, right? <laughs> and he replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Impl imp uh, implying that even though these are religious leaders, they are not following the way of God. And he says this to them, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a pit. The more we turn our own way, the more we ignore the cries of, of the, the oppressed, the more we uh, stop, our, uh, stop our ears to the cries and shut our eyes to the needs of the world around us, the more we're unwilling to take stands for justice um, and to reach out in the name of Jesus with real help in those ways, we are, lead, we are moving to the path of darkness, and it is not just a problem for us, but it becomes a problem for the society. We actually begin to move toward a pit ourselves, and we lead others in that direction. We need to repent, brothers and sisters, of selfishness and pride and, um, and uh, just wanting to judge everybody else uh, in whatever way we might uh, if we, and really learn to get, to the heart, get the heart of God for the people in the greatest need around us. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, and I don't know exactly how we all work that out in our own setting, but I know if we begin to pray in that way, God will lead us in that way. And then finally, at the end of the passage, excuse me, it says, um, but, uh, it says you, are all, you are gods, you are all sons of the Most High, like now he's sort of mocking them, but you will die like mere mortals, you will fall like every other ruler. You're going to be under the judgment of God. And then the psalmist ends the psalm by crying out to God. The true judge says, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. And here's the difference between Christian social action and non-Christian social action. We are not trying, when we, uh, excuse me, I lost my place here. There's all sorts of people marching, protesting, doing all sorts of things, uh, trying to speak up for those who they believe are being oppressed. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it's just done in our own strength and it's done outside the ways of God, uh, there will never be any full final resolution to that. And so here's how justice gets connected to the gospel. We engage issues of justice in the name and in the way of and by, and by the power of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, working with him toward his end to the day where he will come and finally judge, be the just judge, and make all things new. Jesus Christ is the truly just one. He is the one for whom the nations are his inheritance. He's the truly just one and the one through whom God will judge the nations. Listen to what... <clears throat> Listen to what Isaiah says, and this is one of the last passages. Or, excuse me, let me go back to Matthew, um, chapter uh, chapter 23. First of all, or 20, 28. I'm sorry, lost my place there. Um, talks about at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry in, in Matthew chapter 28, and he's he commissions the disciples. And most of us are so familiar with these. Talks to him about going into all of the world and preaching the gospel and teaching everyone to obey everything he taught and basically teaching him to live the way Jesus lived. But he begins that passage by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus talking. 
So when we look at the end of this psalm and it says, God, come and judge because all the nations, your inheritance, we move that forward and we realize that all the authority of God is, is now displayed in and worked through Jesus, who has conquered every power through his death and resurrection. And he is the just one and he is the just judge whom, to whom we will all finally give an account. And we need to make our peace with him. And then we need to be filled with his spirit and learn to walk and follow him in his way of love and service and, and reaching out to the least and the last and the powerless and the voiceless. Let me close by reading a, a little bit of a longer passage from Isaiah chapter 9. And this is one we normally read um, during uh, Christmas. But it says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, God humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness, let's all say it together, have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the, of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us, speaking of Jesus, many hundreds of years before he was born, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the, ju the, the responsibility for judgment and justice will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Justice is at the heart of the purposes of God. In fact, the foundations of the earth are justice. And when we remove that center, when we walk away from the just ways of God, not only does it affect us, but it causes the whole creation to begin to wobble. And the only way that will fully, finally be set right is through Jesus Christ, the, the truly just one and the just judge, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God. Where does that leave us? Well, we are, as we come to faith in Christ, we, are, we ourselves are endued with his power, and we become his ambassadors in this world, and we gain a level of authority, and we are called to, to work out his justice and his love in this world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world, town on a hill, uh, built on a hill cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. And then it says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that every time you give them a tract that tells them who Jesus is, they'll be blessed by that. That every time you say the sinner's prayer, is that is that what it says? It says, no, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds tied to just deeds and thus glorify your Father in heaven. When asked what the greatest commandment was, we've said it so many times, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then finally, going back to the Old Testament, the famous passage from the prophet Micah, Micah 6.8, sort of sums all this up. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, or O man, 
what is good and what does the Lord require of you and what does he require of me? If you know it, say it with me. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Brothers and sisters, in this, if you're anywhere aware of a debate between uh, words and deeds, uh, evangelism and justice, uh, belief and action, don't get caught up in it. It's all part of the gospel. And don't let anyone try to persuade you that working for social justice for the good of our neighbors, for the least and the last, and the voiceless and the powerless. Don't let anybody try to dissuade you that that's not an important part of the gospel. It is the heart of it is from the heart of God, and it's all the way through from Genesis to Revelation, and it's it's uh, summarized so clearly in Psalm 82. Take some time, read it yourself. Let's let God do a new work on our hearts. Let he, let's let Him convict us of our own selfishness, sin, and pride. Let's let Him break our hearts with the needs of the folks around us and learn how to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this beautiful day. Thank you for this opportunity. Even though we're disappointed, we can't be physically together. Thank you that we can be virtually together. Thank you that you're a wor- your word is with us. It's alive. Your Holy Spirit is with us. And so we are never separated from you. And this time uh, does not be a time, doesn't have to be a time that we just sort of muddle through, but we can grow, we can learn, we can pray, and where it's appropriate, we can serve. Um, and Lord, there is so much going on in the world around us, and there's so much confusion, and it can be overwhelming. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to stop, listen to you, look to your word, look at Psalm 82, maybe read through the uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and let you... Uh, preach your gospel to us again so that we can be born again again and really understand your heart. Lord, not just your heart for spiritual salvation, but for earthly renewal and the well-being of our neighbors and especially our neighbors that are in the greatest need. So Lord, I know that as we pray those prayers, as we seek you in that way, that you're gracious, you'll forgive us, and you'll lead us in that way. So thank you for that. Bless my brothers and sisters. Encourage their hearts guide us through, and please, Lord, have mercy on us and bring us to that day when we can gather again. In Christ's name, amen. 